It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Well, we're back. Another year of uh, Tiger Talk and uh, Double D Dan Dickerson's here. I'm Pat Caputo. Uh, Jordy Mercer, the Tigers' uh, new shortstop, will join us at 745. And Dan, it's uh, great to be here and welcome. And uh, it's always a great time because, you know, after the holidays and everything, you start itching for I started itching for baseball like about a week after the World Series. So. Uh, you did too. So yeah, we're here. We're talking. About we're it. talking about a hot stove hasn't been especially hot, especially for the Tigers. But even, I mean, were those the dullest winter meetings you've ever seen? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing when the calendar flips. Uh, it just seems like it flies from now till pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day this year, and uh, and then you're you're ready for the start of a new baseball season. Yeah, you know, it's uh, something that uh, we always think. And Tiger Fest is coming up. That's always. Uh, you know, a time when uh, people uh, start to, you know, gather and start thinking about baseball players come back to town. You got the caravan. I used to call it the uh, double eggs tour. You get a lot of uh, double eggs on that tour. <laughs> and I know you take part in it. But the thing is, you start to gear up. And then when you, you know, Joker Marching Stadium is a idyllic, wonderful place. Uh, the first game of spring training, I always, there's something about the sound of the game there. Uh, when you and uh, Jim call the game, I enjoy it immensely. And, you know, opening day, I, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am about the whole thing. And it starts with Tiger Fest. Starts with Tiger Fest on the 26th. And uh, people want to know, I mean, it's really kind of a, the way they've turned it into the event at Comerica Park. It really has become, you know, such a different setting. But you're at the ballpark and they have obviously areas that are warm. But it is coming up on the 26th. And uh, you can call 866-66-TIGER for tickets. Kids 14 and under, half price. Tickets are 30 bucks, but there's a lot going on. It's It, it really is a fun day because it, you get to see players, all the players on the 40-man roster, players, coaches. You and I get down there, and we have a chance to talk with the guys who are running the rebuild. And that's, uh, to me, as, as we go in the next eight weeks, Pat, on this show, we're going to be talking about the rebuild, and everybody's maybe tired of hearing about it. But, okay, where, where are the Tigers right now in the rebuild? How is it going? How do you judge – if they're on the right path and they're they're doing all the things that, that you need to do to build the winner, because a lot of other teams are trying this right now. I think some are doing better than others. Well, you know, about a couple of years ago, it was actually, unfortunately, uh, the, the milepost that I have, the marker, unfortunately, is the passing of Drew Sharp, the columnist for the Free Press, because it happened shortly, uh, he passed shortly after the news conference that Al Avila had. Because I remember it specifically because we were grilling Al pretty good. It was the end of the season. And Al looked at the table. It was like me and Drew and Wojo, the columnist table. And point, hey, that's negative table back there. He's kind of joking because – and Al was struggling to try to explain what he was trying to do. Well, you flash forward to this point. Al knows exactly what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. And, uh, you know, it's they've, they've sorted through – you know, they've suffered through, uh, you know, some of the pain. Last year really didn't go that badly because the team played competitively for a while. Some of the pieces that he signed for reasonable cost, they were able to flip in trades. The farm system is rapidly developing. So while, you know, you might have some fans who 
Oh my gosh, they had Max Scherzer and Miggy in his prime and Justin Verlander. <laughs> and the Red Sox were the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just, Dave Dombrowski just won the championship. I'm looking at it and thinking, well, I remember what 84 was like. I remember when Tram and Lou and Jack and right. those guys came up. I'm old enough to remember. You and I went to the same elementary school about the same time. <laughs> we remember this. We were pretty young, but we yep. do remember that. On the, the playground. On the playground there. Listening oh, oh, to the World Series. Yes. Uh, the uh, the Tigers at that time came up together with the younger players, and they built together. And, it, and this is a similar thing that could possibly happen. Now, there's no guarantee that this is going to – you're going to become the Astros. Right. Okay? You're, because you're, a lot of teams are doing it, and they can't all be the Astros. That's right. But they have a plan. It's a solid plan. Al is implementing the plan very quietly under the radar, but they're, they become analytically based. They still have good scouts. Their farm system, I call it tilling the soil. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of keep turning it over and more and more. Their farm system, if anything, is underrated now, and a lot of people have them in the top ten. And they're, they have some top-end prospects, uh, particularly pitching, but do have some with position players that aren't quite getting the notoriety that I think they should. And I've been one to call them out, the Tigers, often in the past and say you're overrating your prospects. Don't sell people this. Um, that's not the case right now. They're doing a very good job in this regard. Ron Gardenhire did a wonderful job as manager last year. He really I did. I mean, um, so, two ninety-eight lost seasons in a row, but I thought very different feel to the seasons because of all the teaching that was going on and the way he had them playing the way he wants them to play. And I feel like he probably got to the end of the year thinking, ah, we're 40% of the way there. But he certainly turned things around in terms of what is important to him and how he wants them to play. And, you know, I went back and read Bill James' book on managers. There's no war for managers. Right. right? Now, and I think Ron Gardenhire, it, it's, I think some of it's he has to do it because that is what you have to do to stay in the game now. But he hasn't ignored the analytics they have done a good job of making sure that he's doing that, and he's brought the fundamentals. So I like the direction that the Tigers are going. I don't know what this season's going to look like, but at least this year, you're going to see some of these guys in the major leagues. Last year, you saw Jimenez, you saw Candeliero, and the couple guys like Nico Goodrum got was better than what people thought. Jacoby Jones is a very good defender, but you didn't see. The Daz Camerons, the Isaac right. Paredes, uh, Bo Burrows. The top prospects. The top guys. And the top guys are moving quickly. And they've done a good job of pushing them. I like the direction they're going. And actually, for those who may be tired of the rebuild, to me it's an exciting time, actually, uh, because it's you start to identify with these guys that are homegrown guys by you. And right. they, they've done a really good job so far. Now, it's... Moving up the chain, they still have to, you know, keep their nose at the grindstone. If they go through some difficult times, not panic. There's a lot to it, but they're doing a good job, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot to it. I think Al had a good quote in in recent weeks, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, it's like if a guy suddenly develops a little bit quicker than you thought, or two or three do, then the rebuild, and because he was asked to put a timetable on it, the rebuild advances a little more quickly. Some guys have a setback who are still going to be good major league players. And that may set the timetable back a little bit. And he's absolutely right. Look at the teams that have rebuilt. They're always going to be forward and back. But I think the point that you made, this year is exciting to me as a Tigers fan and broadcaster, but for Tigers fans, because for the first time in a long time, we're going to be talking about a good farm system and that 
I don't know, I came up with a list. You and I were looking over it. I wanted your opinion on it. But just kind of off the top of your head almost, you can name 15 to 20 guys that may not all be in the top 30 in terms of prospects, but guys that they are certainly interested in and hope have, have hopes for. Right around 20 guys who could be at Toledo either to start the year or by the end of the year. In other words, these guys, very talented players. It's everybody from Zach Houston, who's under the radar, to Bo Burles, to Kyle Funkhauser, to Franklin Perez, to Daz Cameron, Willie Castro, Isaac Paredes. I mean, these guys are going to be at Toledo, and then some of these guys are going to be in the major leagues. But this is a year. How well do they progress? Which ones have the setbacks? They're not all going to make right, it. That's, true. that's why this becomes a very big year. But it's the first time in a long time we've had a group this talented that's going to be at Toledo one step away at some point this year. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, as far as what the team's going to be like, am I doing cartwheels that they signed uh, Jordy Mercer and I'm trying to tell you that that's, oh, it's like Machado. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, I don't, I, really, I thought the Matt Moore signing was good because I went back and watched Matt Moore pitch. Uh, he still throws pretty hard. He, he's in the you know ni- mid 93, 90 to 94. Throws on a downward angle. His command is a little off. He could actually get them something in a trade if he bounces back. I didn't get the Tyson Ross thing to be honest with you to the degree that they did, but obviously they looked at his analytics. They also look at biomechanics and some maybe there's something in his delivery. You know, a message to the coach who talks to him. That's why they drafted Casey Mize. You know, they put a biometrical suit on him, saw some th- correction, and you may see him come uh, very quicker. quickly. Yeah. So if he gets back to throwing as hard as he was early last year, and uh, so there, there's a lot of things there. But the but the truth of the matter is, uh, it's 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 not. And if Miggy comes back and has a reasonably good year. Uh, I think Castellanos is probably still going to be on the team because I think they're going to see where the value of him is going to be at the trade deadline. I do believe they're going to trade Nick Castellanos at some point. And, uh, but you think more likely during the year? It looks like that yeah. because the market right now is soft. And the way teams look now is, can we win it now? And they don't know. They're, 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 not, they're not looking to do it right now and set their roster now. Uh, that tends to be the, uh, the way it's going to go. And then, uh, and that would give the Tigers some time to develop whoever would be taking his place and sorting out what they're doing in the outfield. But you're going to see Daz Cameron, I believe, in the major leagues this year. I agree. Um, you might even see somebody like Isaac Paredes in the major leagues this year. He's only 19 years old, but the really good ones come quickly. Exactly. And he's a really good hitter. I remember I, Tram and Lou. I mean, they're 19 and 20, right? That, that kid's going to hit. I mean, I'm just telling you, he's going to hit. So you're going to see some guys that uh, – and Matt Manning is uh, looking at him late last year uh, when he developed a little more consistency. He would go up and down within outings. I watched pretty much every one of his outings um, during that, the year. I find him fascinating, and his upside is extraordinary. My, in my opinion, he's their best prospect, and I was lukewarm on him going into next last year. So, so what impressed you the most? Because truly, I, th- I think people, listeners should know – you're one of the few people I know who spends a lot of time, other than major league scouts or minor league scouts, looking at minor leaguers on a. I mean, you, you just said you as watch much as almost I can. Not as much as those guys do. But no, but yeah. you do. You watch more than anybody I know in terms of. So Man, what was Manny it, throws what was it at a high angle, and he's got a real good uh, curveball. He throws at a high angle. He's hard to center, and he's a really good athlete. All right, and he's got a little bit. You can tell that he gets a little charged up. He's got kind of that attitude. You know, he, I, I would guess he's not going to be the most pleasant guy with the uh, writers and stuff, uh, like Morris or one of those guys. He's got an edge to him. You can see it. 
and uh, he's got special talent. And if it amps up a little bit in the, in terms of velocity, he's going to be really hard to center the ball. And he's off-speed pitch. He can drop it in there. Uh, he's just And he started to develop a feel for pitching. You know, when he gets going, man, he you, you can't hit him. I don't care who it is. So, uh, you know, it's a matter of consistency. He would pitch three great innings and have a bad fourth one. You know, not so much anymore. And, you know, he's going to skyrocket if he continues on the same path. And I was lukewarm on him last year. Yeah, I didn't he'll, think start, he threw- he'll start at double A, you would think. He made two starts at double A, I think. Uh, but that was three different levels for him last year. Yeah, About to turn 21. That's a guy to get excited about. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Look, we'd love to talk to you. We got open lines, Dan and I. Man, we've been itching to get into this show for a long time. <laughs> if you know us, uh, hey, we'll we, fill the hour really easily. Uh, Jordy, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, though. but they're excited about the baseball <laughs> and the Tigers. Tiger Fest coming up on January the 26th at Comerica Park. 40 current Tigers players, coaches, scheduled to appear. Pat and I will be there hosting a special edition of Tigers Fest or Tiger Talk at Tiger Fest. Free Tigers tote bag courtesy of Visit Central Florida. $30 for tickets. Kids 14 and under a half off. Go to tigers.com slash tigerfest or call 866-66-TIGER again January the 26th, Mr. Caputo. Yeah, you know, we always look forward to that. And, uh, you know, the people traditionally that have worked for the front office, uh, Al Avila, uh, Ron Gardenhire now, uh, going back, the the other folks that work work in the farm system, the various players that come on there, they appreciate the interaction. Uh, we do uh, take a lot of audience questions, uh, you know, uh, some participation when we do our show there. And it's a great event. Uh, really It's is. a traditional event here in town, one of the great things. And it's a celebration of baseball. And uh, this is uh, kind of a message I have, you know, not to get too philosophical or anything. But for those of us who love baseball, uh, the fact that uh, the Tigers are in rebuilding mode or whether they're going for the world championship or whatever, uh, we still love the game. Uh, there was a moment last year, and I don't know Jeff Daniels, the actor. I don't, you know, I've never crossed him uh, in my paths uh, in in anything. Let's but, take care of that this year. Let's make sure that we get to meet Jeff Daniels. You, know, at you some never point. met him, you know. I know Jim. I met, don't think I've ever met him in person. Jim I've, met I've Jack seen him White. at the ballpark. Jim's uh, interviews with Jack White are a, a classic uh, on the uh, pregame show. But uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Daniels uh, put up a tweet, uh, tweet uh, early in the season, and the Tigers were they struggled to begin the season. Remember. And he has, it's like his rec room or wherever he's living. And he's got a big you know, thing of the game up there. And he says, I'll always care. And when it comes down to baseball, I'll always care. You'll always <laughs> care. And a lot of the folks that are listening here right now will always care. Right. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. And I, and I did want to say something. You did a great job last year with all the festivities, uh, you know, emceeing those I appreciate things. it. You know, the, the 68 Tigers, that was a wonderful, wonderful event. It, and also, you know, with uh, what happened with Tram and Jack, finally getting into the Hall of Fame uh, was just uh, spectacular. And uh, let's let's hope Lou gets in someday. I mean, just out of fairness someday. Period. I mean, it's just not even, to me, even a debate anymore. They put Harold Baines in. It's not even a debate <laughs> anymore. He is absolutely deserving. Read the Bill James handbook if you like it. It's one of my favorite things to just dip in and out of all winter long. He, Bill James... I know what he said about players. Let's just skip over that. He's still one of the brightest people I know, the way he thinks about the game. Extensive research on the Hall of Fame throughout his career. This edition basically made a list of the top 25 people not in the Hall of Fame. Number one is some guy from the 1890s, just because that's what 
his research told him. Number two was Lou Whitaker. Right. He said it's and it's not even close. Right. It's a slam dunk. And the next time they consider that committee, the modern era committee, he has to be in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and as Lou said, hey, they're going to retire my number. Lou's going to go up there and do it. They'll find out. He put the number up there anyway. You know, he said that <laughs> uh, he was pretty funny uh, when he discussed and came back uh, for Tram's retirement. Now, that, now that we got all the uh, fuzzy, happy stuff out of the way, here's ticket text 97136. <laughs> hey, Dan and Pat, what are your thoughts on Alex Fajardo? I love the fact that he pitched in some big games with Florida. Is that somebody uh, the Tigers could see in 2019? That's from Mitch. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alex Fajardo? Uh, Dan? I think it's a big year for him, obviously. Former number one pick, and I think, uh, you know, I think everybody watched him with great interest uh, this year. Where did, you know, how is he doing in the minor leagues? And by all accounts, the velocity had dropped, and the numbers weren't as good. He had some real struggles when he moved up to double a, I think part of it was the ballpark, but I think part of it was he was making some adjustments and leaving pitches out over the plate. He struggled at double a Erie. So the combination of the struggles when he got moved up the lower velocity, I think there's some concerns, but would I give up on him? No, he's a former number one pick that everybody raved about when he came out two years ago. I think there's a big year for Alex Fajardo. Uh, I wasn't enamored with the pick at the time. Uh, not that because, I'm always right. Uh, because he threw his slider like five out of six pitches watching him pitch. <laughs> um, and his velocity sat at 92, 93, 94. So I didn't see a power arm. And I didn't see somebody who was real athletic. And those are the three things that, you know, I look for in pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Mize, I see a little a bigger upside with that. He was taking 18th overall. He wasn't taking first overall. But the one thing. I really didn't like what I saw this year. He was at Lakeland. I, I don't have access to those games, but he was in Erie. He was remarkably hittable. His pitches were low 90s, high 80s. Uh, slider, you can't, the most difficult thing to project from amateur baseball is off speed pitches to professional baseball. Mm-hmm. His slider, which looked like it was a wipeout slider at Florida. Looks like it's just going to hang there for major league hitters to hit. He gave up, I think it was 15 home runs and 41 innings in double A. 60, but I was, I was just going to bring that up because I think it's instructive. It was Three 60, home runs and 61 innings at A ball. Three and 61, 15 and 60. That tells a story. It's not the whole story. The other thing is his strikeout rate went up to a strikeout an inning. That's a good sign. So he's still missing bats. The question is, how is he doing it? Called strikes or swings and misses? I want guys who get swings and misses. Uh, it's going to be, uh, to me... I just don't see it right now. But like I said, I was a little lukewarm on Matt Manning uh, coming in. So they're like stocks. Um, They go up and down uh, when it comes down to it. But I would have preferred at the time that they took an outfielder who was a multidimensional athlete, uh, SEC quarterback, uh, Bubba Thompson, who's doing well in Texas's organization, I believe. I would have preferred that pick at the time. And that's who, you know, I was kind of like, hey, you know, don't fall into the fajito trap. Uh, They did. Uh, in my opinion, uh, that and then the pick they took, uh, the, the the I think his name's Reyes, the first baseman that year, uh, struggling at Grand Rapids the last year, West Michigan. Uh, to me, that wasn't a good pick, and I thought that they did a much better job when they looked at their draft this year and did a much better job with the draft, uh, not uh, falling into those traps. They did their due diligence on Mize. That was a tough pick, but they did do their diligence on it. Uh, Boy, and did I, they. I mean, they were flying all over the country to oh, see they really, anybody they, who was a they, potential 1-1. Then they had good reasoning behind it. If the yep. pick doesn't work out, you know, that's the way it goes in baseball. 
But uh, I thought the Parker Meadows was a. I've talked to scouts who just love. I think Parker they were Meadows. thrilled to get Parker Meadows where they got him. Second round pick, multi-dimensional athletes. Brother Austin with the Pirates. I really like the Cody Clemens pick uh, as well. Uh, he's got an upside. He hit with power. He did well. He's done okay defensively. He looks like a pretty good player to me. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I think he's going to move fairly quickly. Right. The college kids do. Just remember that. I'm just kind of perplexed why he lasted as long as he did and wasn't rated higher. Tigers took him earlier. And I like Lineak, the kid they took in the fourth round. Again, a high school kid from California. I really liked their draft last year, even that Detheridge kid that they have. The, the guys that they have in their system, they're not like Michael Gerber. You know, nothing against Michael Gerber, but guys who aren't good enough athletes to play at the major league level, even guys like Robson and Detheridge, these guys are athletic dudes. Uh, they're not going to be over overmatched by the athleticism of major league baseball, which is often underrated. Uh, they've, they're really doing a good job of getting into – uh, correcting some of the things that they yeah. may have done in the past that didn't work for them. It's just my opinion. I still think they want an impact bat. What do you think? Uh, I, you know, it, it, I've heard that. You know, uh, somebody told me that that they were looking for an impact bat. Uh, didn't feel, but I think Isaac Paredes. People might be surprised. And don't sleep on Christian Stewart. You didn't even remotely see no what Christian Stewart can do offensively. You made a point when he got up to the hot start and then cooled off. It might have been one of those things where. It, not necessarily bored by AAA, but he needed to I thought to be, he was stale. Yeah, you said stale. I thought that was a good word. Well, I, I he, criticized Al about that and the Tigers. You know, it's like, what are you waiting for? That, and, that kid, legit, 25, 30 home run power, don't you think? Well, he's like 25, 26 years old. Right. And he had a calf injury just about the time they were going to call him up, and then he just didn't – he wasn't remotely what he – he has extraordinarily live bat. When he hits it, man, it goes. You haven't really seen that. You know, he's a defensive liability. I mean, there's no question about that. But he has a chance to be, you know, somebody who hits 30, 35, 40 home runs. And he has, for that type of power, uh, a real good plate presence. He doesn't swing at a ton of bad pitches and strike out 300 times. You know, he's not one of those guys. So, but anyway, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. We got the one ticket text. We got, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, Jordy Mercer will join us, the Tigers' new shortstop, coming up at 745. It's Tiger Talk. He's Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. That's the 97 won the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. It's a joy to be here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We got open lines. Uh, we got more of the ticket text here. But uh, before we get to any of that, uh, uh, just wanted to address the Cassiano situation. Uh, what do you think of Nick as a player, Dan? Um, I mean, the numbers, I don't think at some point lie. <laughs> I watch him day to day, and I don't think he's bad in right field, but he did not obviously grade out well in right field. He did not grade out well at third base. Can he get better in right field? Yes. Will he ever be average? No. Um, so how much does do you value his bat? I think the one thing, all right, you're going to have a below average right fielder Likely, right? I mean, he was, well, I he was think by 15, far. He was by far. And I looked runs at my below average, James. Right? Yeah, I mean, he was way minus he was 15. Worst, worst, worst so guy. So if he gets to minus six or seven, that would be obviously you got something to work with. But in this day and age of high strikeouts and 
you know, guys who are making a lot of easy outs, he gives you a great at bat. I think he's a really good. And I think there's great value in that. I think there's still upside for Nick Castellanos, and I think you want him in your lineup this year. You need somebody. I'm not a big believer in protection. You need somebody around Miguel Cabrera. I I wouldn't mind at all. I understand the Tigers would like to get something for him. I'm glad they're setting the bar high in terms of what they're going to get in return. But I'd rather have Nick Castellanos in this lineup, at least for part of the year, uh, with Miguel Cabrera. I think that kind of hitter will be valuable at the trade deadline. Houston has started to target those kinds of hitters, guys who don't strike out a whole lot, who make hard contact, and he's made some of the best hard contact the last two years of any hitter in the major leagues. Yeah, I wish. Uh, there's a couple of things. I like Nick Castellanos. I like his attitude. I, I do like too. The, you know, he's a genuine guy. When he came out and started talking about the metrics last year, I thought that was terrific, even though I disagree with a lot of stuff that he said. I thought it was wonderful. His podcast with Shane Green really was quite interesting. I yeah. loved hearing the from the player's point of view. You know, I, I like him a lot. I think he's been a great Tiger in his own way. Uh, his defensive liabilities are obvious. Uh, you know, it, it, and to me, it, the eyeball test kind of shows it. He just kind of goes bad ball. It's, I can go on and on about it. I don't want to do that. But I think he's on the verge of becoming a really good hitter. He's always been a good hitter. But, I mean – a really good hitter. His, his WAR was four point three or whatever it was. Baseball uh, offensively, offensively. Uh, last year right. he's got a terrific approach where he takes uh, fastballs up the middle and over to the right, pulls up other balls once in a while, get out in front of one and you know pull a fastball. Really like him as a hitter. Um, I wish he would play first base because I think he would have a chance there. I think if he did that, he might get a long term deal right. uh, from Detroit because it would solve a lot of problems for them. Uh, because yeah, he's then, young and he's the kind of hitter you want. And then you can have Miggy be the DH where he should be in that kind of big poppy. He's 35, but keep him on the field. You appeal to him. But I, I don't think any of that's really working out with the egos and all the different things that are there. And I understand it from Castiano's standpoint because he hasn't done well defensively, but he's always worked his ass off at it. He's, no question. He's been sincere and honest in his effort. And at some point he's got to make a business decision about or a baseball decision on how he wants to approach it. But I understand his frustrations. I understand their frustrations. If they go into next season with uh, Castellanos in right field and Christian Stewart in left, man, Jacoby Jones did really well metrically uh, in center field. But man, you'd have to have, uh, you know, Usain Bolt out there to cover the ground because, especially in a bigger ballpark, you know, I mean, it's just – and that's the – you know, you talk about the Astros and why they got good. They got mu- nothing but multidimensional players. Bregman can field. Altuve can field. You know, Springer can field. Nico Goodwin is going to be a very valuable player on this team in the years ahead that was because good, of that was his good. ability to play multiple positions. He's, he could be a very good outfielder. Dave Clark really likes him in the outfield, and he's not played there very much. I just think that that could be a really valuable person. You just talk about – Tigers have talked about building an offense to the ballpark in terms of the kind of hitters they want, and I think they're very much also talking about what kind of defense they want. This is the third largest outfield in the major leagues to Kansas City and Colorado by square footage. It is the easily the biggest center field in all of baseball. Jacoby Jones, for that reason alone, even where he hit last year, which was not good, if he improves a little bit, is a very valuable player for the Detroit Tigers. Jacoby Jones saved more runs defensively than any outfielder in baseball last year, and you hardly even hear about it because he split it between left and center field. Nobody saved more runs defensively by the defensive run save system than Jacoby Jones. That's a valuable player in that ballpark. Well, that's where you get to, do you believe analytics or do you believe what you've always believed? If you were to, I don't know, you didn't have as good a wins above replacement. And every team well, he has, was it too. That was not a small step. That was a giant step for him. Right. But Cassianos was better at 2-7. 
But my, my point about it is, in, in, in every team's got their own version of wins above replacement. Everybody has their own system. So they have their own system. So it's just us and baseball right. reference or fan graphs. Well, we talk about it because each team has their own system, but they're doing the same kind of analyzing. Right. And it, yeah, it is. Balancing yeah. base running, batting, and fielding. Way more analytical than what we're right. talking about at this point. Where before, we used to talk a lot more about it than the Tigers actually did. But the truth of the matter is, uh, how much do you believe in that? Because you know we still have these old school thoughts. If you ask the Tiger fan, I've done this. I come on after the games, and you said, "Hey, who's more valuable to the team, Jacoby Jones or Nick Castellanos?" Castellanos got every vote for Tiger of the Year except for one, and it was mine. I voted for Jimenez, and uh, you know, it wasn't that I thought Castellanos was bad, but I could see where Jacoby Jones was nearly as valuable because of what he does defensively. Right. But the, the train of thought is you, they were for years giving out gold glove awards, the managers, to the best hitter in the league, not the best fielder. No well, question. Now you have defensive metrics have really tightened up, and they've tightened up beyond what we know because there's so much Doppler radar technology that takes all the guesswork out of it. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you about Jacoby Jones. Uh, I think he, And the other thing I really like about Jacoby Jones, the same thing I like about Nick Castellanos. Those guys, if they get knocked down, they get back up. They show up to play. Jacoby Jones, you know, the frustration of what he can't do as a hitter often destroys a guy. But every game that guy plays, he's up there trying his damnedest. That's right. Castellanos is the same way, and I appreciate them. The question is, how are you going to balance that when you put together a roster that isn't necessarily for this year? I think they're going to have a fairly entertaining team this year, and you're going to have some guys coming up but in two or three years when you're trying to win a championship. And that's where the Cassianos thing comes in. Is he going to be part of that? And uh, right now, what you would get in return might would give you a better chance of actually right. helping Does you. Does that to... get you that impact bat? Yeah. Well, probably yeah. not, I would think. It depends. You know, you can't be one-dimensional. You know, the imp- you know, it's like J.D. Martinez. They can hide him on the Red Sox. His value was amazingly low. It took forever for him to get a contract from his former general manager, he might not have gotten it. Nick Castellanos is unfortunately for him going to have the same problem. And the value that the Tigers are when they ask for him isn't going to be as much. It's like when J.D. Martinez was available and uh, they got a lot of questions about Justin Wilson and Jose Iglesias that one winter. So it's so a different time. So here's the question, Nick Castellanos, about he'll be 27 this year, 27 right. in March. Let's say... I think there's still upside in terms of his offense, don't you? I, I do. I think, I think, he, I think he's just OPS starting over as over 900 is very realistic. He was at 850 this year. I definitely think he's going to have a season or two where he's, his OPS his is speed, going to approach 1,000. His speed has gotten better. He's worked he, at he, it. He is an improved base runner, which would suggest that if he keeps working as hard as he has in right field, that's in other words, he's not a lumberer. You're not trying to hide him out there. Well, that's not the problem. Right. But can he, in other words, let's say he improves a little bit as a fielder, so he becomes below average, but not way below average, and he becomes a much better hitter, is that a guy you want to keep? I, I don't think – I'm just being honest with okay. you. I hope I'm wrong and, and all these things because right. I like the kid and I appreciate him. I don't think you can fit a square peg into a round hole. It's like you can't teach Jacoby Jones to hit. You can't. You just I'm, don't think he's a fit in right field, and that's right now the only uh, spot where that's for him. At, at the major, he'd be the best guy in your recreational league or something by far. He'd be the star shortstop, Nick Castellanos. But as a major league right fielder, he's always going to be below average. It's the same at third base. 
You're not, I don't care how so for hard you it's it about the reaction, even though the speed is actually much improved. It's the just last about few years. the actual ability to do something. Yeah. You know, okay. he just doesn't. He has the ability to hit like a um, few people on earth, and but there's a he's way he's behind the curve as an as an outfielder. It's, it's like an interesting he, thing to do, to try to balance. I think you either so there's some there's a certain point where you either can do it or you can't. I just assumed level. he was going to go, but then you start thinking, what if? He takes that big step forward as a hitter and a little bit of an improvement defensively. He's going he's to get better as a hitter. Him to do an extension. He's an exceptional hitter. Right. He's, he's, there's going to be a point where he's going to be a top 15 hitter in baseball right. easily. Uh, as a fielder, he's always going to be in the bottom 15. So how do you juxtapose that with what you're trying to do with what kind of contract? That's why have? war becomes valuable. And war. he's in between as a base runner because he's worked on his body and gotten faster and more athletic. He's become a plus, at least by the Bill James handbook, which measures a lot of different things. Yeah, but he's not a He's not a plus like a guy like Jacoby. Oh, but he's gone from being a, a a guy who would rarely go first to third to a guy who actually will go first to third and second to home. Yeah, you know, he's not he's not hurting you uh, as a base runner. Right. If anything, he might even help you sometimes. Right. Where before he probably hurt you a little bit. He absolutely did. Yeah. So, but it's it's an interesting question. But I think they're going to trade him. I do too. And I think they're hoping that they can get somebody that two or three years from now at a reasonable cost will be as effective as what you're getting from Castellanos in terms of how many wins you get out of that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 248-539-9797. Wow. Jody Mercer. Jordy Mercer is going to, we're going to talk to him coming up next. It's it, uh, Tiger talk. I'm stumbling like Elmer Fudd here on 97 won the ticket. <laughs> Hey, uh, Tiger Talk here on 97 won the ticket. We're joined now by the uh, new Tigers shortstop, uh, Jordy Mercer. Jordy, how are you? Welcome to Detroit, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jordy. Now, uh, you come you to you come to the Tigers. Uh, what was your impression uh, playing in uh, Pittsburgh, coming into Detroit, and you excited to uh, play here in Detroit? Yeah, man. Uh, I, it's one thing. It's kind of like the Pittsburgh thing. I didn't really know a whole lot about Pittsburgh. Come from Oklahoma. And it's kind of the same thing about Detroit. I just didn't really know besides the times that we played there, which was an unbelievable experience. Uh, but the, the, the tradition, you know, the history of Tiger baseball, um, and there's been some really good lessons played there. And so it, it's just going to be fun to be a part of it. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. I can't wait to, you know, um, start meeting everybody and, and putting uh, faces to, to guys on the phone and things like that. And, um, you know, coming up for Tiger Fest. So I'm excited for that to, uh, see some of the fans and, and meet some of the teammates and, like I said, some of the coaches and the front office. and um, It's just an exciting time, and I'm really pumped about it. And, and uh, It's a new chapter for me, and um, I can't wait to get going. Jordy, you, you obviously are – it, this is something new for you. Pittsburgh's the only team you've ever known, but you're coming to a team that's rebuilding, and you know that, and you know what your role is going to be. But it, it, it'd be interesting to hear from your standpoint. You joined a Pittsburgh team 2013, your first really full year, that was definitely on the upswing. They were rebuilding, and then it certainly clicked. You had three terrific years in a row, 13, 14, 15. Talk about some of the things that, that you can take from those years and apply it to a team that you know is going to have a lot of young faces and new faces this year. Well, I think that's what makes it exciting uh, for the opportunity for me coming in uh, You know, with Detroit is um, there's a lot of young, really talented players, and uh, that's the kind of thing, like you mentioned, that's kind of the same way we had in Pittsburgh. Is um, you know we were starting to turn that corner slowly, ever ever so slowly, we were starting to turn that corner. We added a couple pieces, and it seemed like we just kind of took off. And, and I feel like that's kind of the same boat. Is Detroit's just on that verge of turning that corner? 
um, and getting back in the playoffs where they, they were for many years. Um, and, you know, and it starts with that young core group of guys. And it seems like uh, I was looking up and down the roster the other day, and it, there's a bunch of young guys that they've uh, either traded for or, or came up through the system that are on the verge or knocking on the door. And then there's a, a couple prize possession pitchers down there that can also make their impact too late, which is uh, it, it's just exciting to, to be a part of, exciting to see, exciting to see the, the young faces. And, and when I talked to you know the front office guys, they were they were pumped too, man. They were pumped to to know that. Uh, and, and even uh, and Guardy, Guardy was pumped too to know that the, we got a lot of potential here. We're going to sneak up on a lot of people. And it's fun being an underdog. It's sometimes it obviously it's fun, you know, being the favorite. But when you're the underdog and you you, uh, you know sneak up on a lot of people and, and realize that you got a chance to be pretty good for years to come, it's uh it's pretty exciting. Well, Gardy's from Oklahoma. Michael yeah, Fulmer's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> David Chad, we got the Oklahoma <laughs> connection right. going. Right. A lot, lot of, <laughs> lot of uh, Oklahoma uh, guys there make you you know feel comfortable. Uh, you know, when you come in there and, and, and do it. You played in Pittsburgh with a lot of players that had some upside and developed top-end pitchers like Cole uh, that did well and Polanco and a lot of a lot of players that developed. Uh, you expecting to see similar type of, uh, you know, uh, situation here in Detroit? Yeah, from what I've noticed, uh, from what I've seen, from what I've talked to, um, you know, like you mentioned those guys, I've, I've been in contact with a lot of those guys. And, you know, they brag about the, the young prospects. They brag about the young talent. They brag about uh, the guys coming through the system that are knocking on the door. Um, and it's it's fun to, to see it because I was there at one point. I've been there. I've done it. Uh, I've seen uh, you know, kind of a, there's a group of us that kind of came to the minor leagues in Pittsburgh and we kind of changed the culture and, and kind of changed some winning ways. And, and, and I've, you know, in, in 13 and actually 12 even, you know, we kind of turned, turned a corner in 12 too and, uh, so you, you kind of see the similar ways, and that's what uh, now I'm on the backside of it, and I'm, I'm a little bit older now than I was, and uh, so I, I've seen it and I've seen it coming through, and it, it's kind of the same way. And so that's why, like I said, I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait to get going. I can't wait to get down to spring training and get on the field and and see what these guys are made of. You had some guys in Pittsburgh who helped you along. I'm sure there was Clint Barmus ahead of you at shortstop that first full year in 2013. I mean. What are the kinds of things that, that you took from, from a veteran like that who was trying to help him make probably make it comfortable for you to be in the major leagues? Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things that I, I can take of that's helped me throughout you know, my career. Um, not only Clint Barmas was a huge factor, but uh, Neil Walker, too, as well. I mean, those guys really took me on the wing. Um, you know, any questions that you ever had, that, that they were always open. It was an open-door policy for them, and – it just seemed like they always helped me, whether it be, you know, what to even wear on the plane or where to sit on the bus or just things like that that just makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel at home. And that way you can just go out and play and not worry about the other stuff. And, and that, that just helps your transition so much easier. And that's what I, that's what I try to do. Um, you know, the last couple of spring trainings where I've been an, an older guy now in our clubhouse, because Pittsburgh was relatively young um, yeah. all the way through. And so, um, you know, I kind of just – Happened to be one of those veteran guys that looked up to, um, and you know I kind of took that role. And, and if I can just help some of those younger kids just relax and, and let their their talent, their tools play, uh, that's a that's the biggest thing. Is you know because the the fans and and the big stadiums and stuff that's going to get at you a little bit. And being in the big leagues and living your dream, but if you can make that transition a little bit easier for them and just let them go out and relax and go play and show them what what, what they're made of, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Because it's always interesting when the pieces come together on a rebuild, when you've got the young players, you have to have that, that veteran presence. 
whether it's you or whoever, somebody on the pitching side, it seems like you have to have those guys to either help that transition come together a little bit quicker and those young guys develop a little bit quicker. But it's always an interesting mix to me as some it works on some teams and it doesn't on others. Yeah, for, for me, I just I think it brings that stability. I think that's what you got to have for any club. Um, if, if you don't have that stability, you know, uh, in particular up the middle, up the middle of the diamond, um, you know, things that when when things go haywire or things go sideways, you can kind of turn the ship around and uh, get it back in the right direction. I think you need those guys on your club. Yeah, you can be really young, you can be really talented, um, but if you guys if you don't have any stability or or guys that uh, know when things are going wrong let's change some things let's, let's get it going on the right the right track again uh those, those guys are huge to have and and you don't know that as, as a young player you don't know that you know I, now that I'm, I'm a little bit older i didn't know that when i was young either so um that's, that's definitely one thing that you know i'm excited about um i i can't wait to pick miggy's brain uh one of the greatest hitters of our generation and to be to be able to play alongside a guy like that it's going to be fun. So there's a lot of things that, that I'm looking forward to. And like I said, I can't wait to get down to Lakeland and get going. You know, Jordy, we appreciate you taking the time. We look forward to seeing you at Tiger Fest. And uh, good luck this coming season. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jordy. We appreciate it. We'll see you at Tiger Fest. That was uh, Jordy Mercer, the Tigers' new shortstop. It's true, though. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, he's obviously, this is going to be new for him. He's He's been the guy in Pittsburgh for a long time. He. He's only been with Pittsburgh, but these guys can be really valuable. I know it might not be the most exciting signing, but I really think these guys can be valuable when you think about all the young infielders. You mentioned it, Castro, Paredes, Lugo, Alcantara, or Alcantara. I mean, these are all guys who are going to be potentially in the major leagues in the next couple of years. Yeah, I get it confused with Alcantara and Alcantara, the pitcher. I'm going with Alcantara for both. You got I have Sergio, no, I have the no, player, I, and you have Victor, the pitcher. Let's just say Alcantara for both. I always both. go to you. You're my go-to guy <laughs> for the pronunciation of these guys. Um, yeah, you know, and Jordy, Jordy Mercer has been a good player. Uh, so, you know, he's tracking a little bit less, you know, with the metrics and everything. But sometimes it changes scenery. You guys have different years. Uh, and I think he'll he'll be a good fit uh, for the Tigers in, in what they're doing. Right. Uh, their shortstop of the future is Willie Castro, who they got in a trade for Martin at the end of last year. In my opinion, he's the guy that's uh, going to separate himself. But, you know, uh, a player like this, uh, he has some value. And uh, when you're in that mix, it, it, it's important to put a competitive team on the field. It's important that you have a shortstop. Castro's not remotely ready to play in the major leagues yet. Uh, neither is Alcantara okay. or Alcantara, however you want to pronounce that name. <laughs> and uh, th- this is somebody that, uh, you know, will put him. He's a major league player. Right. Uh, that is true enough. So uh, that's who you have as a shortstop. I don't think he's going to be worse than Jose Iglesias. I think he'll play at least at that level. Uh, he's a better offensive player than Jose Iglesias. Not maybe as good defensively, but still okay. He's okay there. So, uh, you know, it's a good signing. Uh, he you know, mentioned Miggy real quick, but I just think what he said about Miggy is so true. There is a Miggy effect on other hitters. When Miggy's healthy, he just just by watching him, you can learn something about hitting. It doesn't have to be the coaching that goes on with Miggy or talks with Miggy and other players. Just watching Miguel Cabrera, that alone should make this offense better this year, just having that bat back and healthy. By the way, all the reports are good on Miguel Cabrera so far. We'll see. Tiger Fest coming up to 26th. Enjoy doing the show. Dan and I will be on next week. The Tiger Talk. Coming up next is Pistons Night, and then Inside Hockey Town with Kenny Cal. Uh, this is 97 on the ticket. The ticket.